Hey, what's up, people? Welcome back to the Overnamers podcast. This week, we're doing a bit of TLC. We're getting some tidying up done because I've had it in the messages, I've had it in the DMs, I've had it in the requests. Everybody going on going, you keep saying episode one was Callum Sarker, but episode one was George Taylor. I know there was a lot of changes. We had to get it redone. I wanted to make sure Callum could get his story across, make sure it sounded really great. So today we're doing it. We've got Callum Sarker, England Sevens, England Camps. Wasps Rugby, now playing for the Cornish Pirates, one of the nicest people I've ever had the pleasure of having a conversation with, so I'm buzzing that I get to do it twice. Callum Sarka, how are you, sir? Welcome to the podcast. I'm very well, thank you, Sam. Thank you for having me. I really really appreciate it, and I'm glad we're doing it a second time. Mate, I'm looking forward to it. And like I said before we came on air, I actually sound a bit more confident this time and not like a crying child trying to get through it. (laughs) So I'm really looking forward to this one. Before we get started, guys, I actually have a brand new partner helping me with the podcast. Their name is Wild Haggis Protein. Find them on the internet, find them on Instagram. They're a protein company. They also have their own set of leggings. They have fitness wear, exclusive women's ranges, pre-workout. It's all there. It's really good. I actually contacted them. That's how much I believe in this company because I was using them long before I started this podcast. Back when I was playing rugby, they were the people they would go to. Reasonably priced, Scottish company. If you know anything about Scottish people, they're made of fucking granite and anger, so they're the best people to get protein from. Yeah, Wild Haggis, if you want 10% off, use code OVER80 at the checkout, and that gets you a tasty bit of meal off as well. Right, into the podcast. Here we go. Cal Sucker, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, just uh, cracking on. Beautiful Cornwall now. Uh, block two started today, uh, pre-season. So, yeah, grafting hard. Uh and not long till we've got our first few pre-season games and then uh, into the season, into a, you know, a fully fully fledged long season again after COVID. So, yeah, pretty excited. A normal season's on the cards, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's like 22, 23 games or something like that, which is, you know, you had the COVID season, which was, you know, pretty shortened in the championship. So, John mm-hmm. I wasn't involved in last year, but now I am. So, uh, boys are looking forward to, you know, home and away games again and getting on the bus uh, which is uh, a massive thing obviously on the bus a fair bit so uh, now looking forward to it <laughs> it better be buses even for the home games that's what it is yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> mate we're going to get on to that because I want to talk all about Pirates because obviously captain coach Matty Jess had something to do with it he's a good friend of ours yeah. but we're going to get started quick fire questions last time you were here it was a bit of a short and sweet now it's got a proper section so We've got quick fire questions with Callum Circa, and it's just same as last time. First answer that comes into your head, it's a this or that, or it's a would you rather type thing. Easy as pie. If you say anything questionable, I'm sure Instagram will call you out. All the boys will have a look at it. Yeah. Right, mate. Tea or coffee? Tea. Night out or a night in? Night out. Score a try or make a try saving tackle? You're a winger, so I know the answer to this already. Score a try. Yours should be score three or score four. That's what it should yeah. be. <laughs> uh, if you had to get rid of one tomorrow, would you get rid of rugby or would you get rid of dogs? Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, oh, get rid of dogs. My missus is going to kill me, but yeah, get rid of dogs. Mate, Hannah Smith says she get rid of rugby and she's an Olympia. <laughs> yeah, that is a tough one. But I mean, I've not ever, I've never had a dog in the family and I've, you know, so I do love. Oh, that's a that's a huge one. That's yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he's getting rid of dogs now. Sweets or chocolate? Sweets. Nice. Movies or a TV series? Movies. What's your favorite movie of all time? Uh, <laughs> that is a good question. My if favorite. You, if you've got a few, go for a few. Uh, 
favourite movie? I'll go. I love um, Pulp Fiction, which is probably a cliche. Everyone says that. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was brilliant. Benny, oh, I didn't like it. I did not like it. Oh, really? Well, like, anything no. Quentin Tarantino, I love. I can normally get on board with that, to be fair. Like Django Unchained and stuff like that. Incredible, yeah. Yeah, really good. Seven, sevens or fifteens? Fifteens, playing it now, aren't I? <laughs> yes, Jesse, you're listening. That's the one. Yeah. Right, bath or shower if you're having one to relax? Uh, shower. Really? Not a bath, man? Not like yeah. bath bomb candle? I like, I like a bath, but I always get out of the bath and get in the shower afterwards. I feel like if you're dirty, you get in a bath, you're just bathing in your own dirty water. Yeah, no, never. It has, you have to be clean into the bath, yeah. I'm pretty OCD with it as well, so. <laughs> How would you get your steak cooked? Medium rare. Nice. Right, club or a pub for a night out? Club. <laughs> Arms there, legs there? Legs. Are you more likely to FaceTime somebody or text them? Text them. Oh, see now. Right, the one that came back with reckless abandon because everybody questioned it in the DMs because I mentioned it in the trailer. Bourbons or custard creams? Custard creams. Oh, man, why does everybody say custard creams, man? Bourbons <laughs> are the best. Uh, sweet or salted popcorn? Sweet. Correct. Would you rather be a ninja or a pirate? Ninja. Mate, I'm going to give you a chance to check your answer. No, nah, 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 ninja. I've, I've actually reason why. <laughs> I watched Matrix re- recently, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> You're already a pirate, so you can be a ninja and a pirate. Yeah. Well, oh, my. Yeah. Take that. <laughs> I'm a pirate, yeah, pirate, of course. Yeah, the thing is, I'm already a pirate, exactly. So I'm just trying out new. Uh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, just, exactly. You're just set for Halloween. You've just got no fun. That, that totally went over my head. I didn't. There, you went, oh, what do you mean? Have another go. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mate, yeah, I, did, I didn't even clock it. I just, I just said, and I went, oh, that's a really good question. Actually, you've done. Yeah, that. yeah. Obviously, I should have said pirate, but there you go. Right. Final one of the quick fire questions: socks and sliders, yes or no? Yes. <laughs> See, that's that's a rugby thing. Everybody I speak to that's yeah. not rugby is like, no, that's a crime. And everybody who plays rugby is like, yes. I think anyone that plays sport really wears socks. I, I see football players doing it all the time. I see athletes from any sport, they always play socks. It's, like, it's comfy. It's easy because I think for, for any sportsman, you, you you go from your sliders into your weightlifting shoes or your boots or your spikes or whatever. So, yeah, it's exactly. Easy transition. <laughs> well... That was quick fire questions with Callum Circuit. There you go. See, it catches you off guard. Half the questions you don't think about, and then, like, they're like, you hear other people go through them, and you're like, this is really straightforward. I don't know how. And as soon as somebody puts them on you, you're like, oh no, people are valuing my opinion in these now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, quick fire questions with Callum Circuit done and dusted. Anyway, mate, so we're going to get into the rugby a bit later, but first of all, we're going to talk about you, Cal Circuit, the person. I want to talk about your book page, your forwards and paperbacks, because I think that's a really good thing that you do for actually encouraging young athletes to read. Because I know myself, I was quite bad when I was younger for not picking up a book. I was quite bad for going to training and then just relaxing each other in front of the telly before bed and school the next day and things like that. So tell us a bit about forwards and paperbacks. How did you come about that? Yeah, so I think um, forwards and paperbacks came about. I, obviously, I've always been an avid reader. Um, I definitely became more of an avid reader through lockdown and through my injury, um, uh, through my uh, my knee injury. So I, you know, I spent a lot of time out of the game, and I uh, just wanted something to do. I wanted to not only develop myself physically, but also mentally, and, diff- and not just you know people say they want to be you know more 
uh, resilient, but I wanted to be more knowledgeable. I wanted to be more mindful. I wanted to, you know, broaden my horizon, so to speak, you know, the cliche term. So, um, you know, I was having a conversation with, with my old man and I said, you know, I don't just want to read. I want to kind of, you know, make it a hobby and then spread the word about books that I read. And a lot of the books that I read are relatable to other athletes, to young people. And I think the books that I read are books that other young people should read. And he said, mm -hmm. well, why don't you do something on social media, you know, go on Instagram and make a page. You've seen other one, other people do it. So I thought, yeah, why not? So I started, uh, started forwards and paperbacks and I, you know, I kind of, I thought I put a bit of effort in it. So I got, you know, someone to do the little logo and stuff. And ever since then, I've just been reading and I've really been enjoying my reading. And then, you know, doing the reviews has been, you know, really easy and, you know, really enjoyable. And then I've had some really good feedback from it. I've had people say, I'm going to read that now. I've had, you know, uh, suggestions and recommendations on what to read next. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. I think at the moment, if you looked at my page now, it's pretty, uh, it has, I haven't uploaded a, a book in a while. Mm -hmm. um, and that's because I'm starting law school in September. So I've been pretty busy with that. Well, uh, plenty of books there, anyways. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if the book people that are going to want to see the reviews of those books, but um, but yes, yeah, so I'm starting law school in September online and part time. So I've been really busy with that, making sure that's all sorted. So I haven't actually had a space to read, which is a pretty bad excuse coming from me, who kind of encourages people to find any any time to read. But I will get back on it and I will start uh, reviewing some more books. I've actually got. You can see in the background mm -hmm. uh, uh, a stack of books that I haven't read yet uh, that I've kind of searched for and been recommended. And I, every time I get a, re a book recommended, which I really encourage through DMs via the page, I put them on the list and I buy them and I read them. That's usually what yeah. I do. And then, yeah, and then people comment and their reviews. It's brilliant. It's really good. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy it. Cause me and you, we messaged a few times. I think we were discussing the book uh, Bounce. I can never remember the author, but we were discussing it, and it's Matthew, all about chance. Matthew Fahid, his name is, I think. It, is it? Do you? I never remember the author, but I've, I remember reading it, and I remember my brother reading it and telling me about it because I mentioned it to you. Yeah. And I think like there's so, like you said, there's so many books that you don't come from an athletic background, which are relatable. A hundred percent, hundred percent, and uh, uh, obviously Bounce is a brilliant book. You know the ten thousand hour rule that he talks about in that book. Um, <laughs> which you know take that with a pinch of salt i would i would say to people i don't want i don't want young people around the place starting their clock for ten thousand hours and counting it down and put, passing the ball against the wall for ten thousand hours so i think their parents would probably kill them but um <laughs> there's definitely other ways of doing it there's definitely books out there that just aren't sport related at all that you can mm -hmm. really relate to um if you look at my page i don't want to keep plugging it but um there's books that just you really wouldn't you really wouldn't understand i think there's lessons in books like i i read for i, I read death of a salesman which is a play mm -hmm. um and that was just brilliant i really enjoyed it and also um had a, a deeper meaning in it a deeper story i want i don't want to give it away but uh things to learn from things to learn from and, yeah. and these we learning you know people young lads young girls that are sportsmen or not sportsmen or uh or not athletes thinking what does he mean there's deeper lessons to learn moving forward well read it and you'll find out yeah. so there we go it. what a plug that is there you the, go, yeah. the, the author of death of a salesman or the writer of death of a salesman that was you a cheeky bit of cut as well when he yeah, gets yeah, that, yeah yeah when all all eight of my listeners go i'll give that book a go <laughs> <laughs> i promise i have more than that you're not wasting yeah, definitely it. Have to say, probably more than that. <laughs> oh it's not I'm we're not quite famous yet we're going but we're getting there 
Yeah. Mate, what three books would you recommend to somebody? Not for, not even particularly a young athlete, but say like a young person, like you said, so Death of a Salesman, maybe. Or uh, yes, yeah, so I'd say obviously Death of a Salesman. Um, uh, wow, um, I've had a fair few. Um, what was the one we discussed? It was the one with the. It was the Michael Jordan's old coach, Seven Rings. Yeah. So I read um, Phil Jackson's Eleven Rings, which was mm -hmm. brilliant. Yeah, definitely recommend that. Yeah. Um, seven Rings, that's from Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Reading, I'm reading the Lord of the Rings book at the moment, so that's where I've got oh, Seven yeah, Rings. So, yeah, so Eleven Rings, it's a brilliant book, um, and that's kind of gives you an idea of how he managed certain people's egos. Obviously, um, mm -hmm. having people like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, um, these people obviously are the best at what they do, but yeah. with, with that comes some sort of ego where they want to do it their way. And he's got to allow them to express themselves, but also, you know, fill in a team and be leaders. And especially a lot of these players, especially people like Kobe at the time, obviously, you know, God rest his soul, he, he didn't know how to be a, be a leader. And mm -hmm. basically, Bill allowed him to, to, be, to become that person. People obviously looked up to it, but he looked up to him, but he didn't see it. Mm -hmm. And allowing the way he worked was... He allowed that allowed Kobe to see that, and then he then realised how valuable he was. And that's his, I mean, I'm not giving enough away here, so definitely keep re definitely read it. Um, that's an important book to read. And I think another book I would um, trying to look at my books here. <laughs> I didn't bring. I've got so many that I've read that I actually didn't bring them up to Cornwall because I've read so many. It'd be too many to bring. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, another book I would suggest reading. Um, would be Atomic Habit Habits, yeah, um, by James Clear. Now everyone raves about it, but it's brilliant. I don't want to give any away. You can't. You can't. Um, <laughs> I'm secretly writing these down because I've not read that one. So. Uh, yeah, so that's what I can't really give anything away there. You just have to read it. It's brilliant. Um, and that's really it. I think um, those are my recommendations. I think there's such a very death of itself and it's completely the other side of Atomic Habits, but. Mm -hmm just has meaning in it and you know you've got authors like albert camus who does kind of is completely out there completely different yeah um, but i suggest reading anything that he's written he's brilliant sensational mm -hmm. so yeah just i mean just i mean if i could give if i could give my my like my advice would be just read anything and everything just read anything and everything broaden your horizons gain knowledge on anything and if you read something then there's a film about it or there's a documentary about it add them together definitely read the book first before you watch the movie because it'll ruin the book but um just just immerse yourself in it no i couldn't agree more i've been trying to up my reading just for i think it really benefits not just like the vocabulary but the way like you were saying it almost benefits the way you look on life as well i think when you get so many different perspectives a hundred percent a hundred percent and it allows you to yeah. to um to just have a little bit more empathy uh, to people's situations. I, def I, I certainly read books that uh, are based around people's personal struggles. Um, I read uh, a book called The Windrush Betrayal, which is obviously yeah. a famous part of history that most people uh, know about. And uh, that was a pretty tough read in terms of people's personal struggles, but it, it allowed me to understand not only the history, but what these people went through. Um, and And that kind of made me not only more educated but more empathetic to their situations and now i kind of understand that when i see kind of in the house of commons i'm still talking about it i totally understand why they're still talking about it and why justice needs to be uh mm -hmm. so 
I tell you what, have you ever read um do you remember there's like it used to be it was like Secret Life of a Junior Doctor and it was um This is going to hurt and it was him telling all his stories from yes. Adam McKay is his name. Yeah, Adam McKay. Have you read yeah. his um thank you to the NHS one? Not yet, no. It's it's really good. So what he does is he gets a bunch of so what because obviously his book went like famous like New York Times bestseller, yeah. bestseller in England as well because of the stories he had. So yeah. what he did as a thank you to the NHS when COVID started, he got all his celebrity friends. Yeah. So the way he so the way he described it was he sent out wedding invitations to everybody he knew, his publisher knew, expecting to get like a third of them back of like stories they have from the NHS. And he wow. said he's like he got he's got so much he might have to make a second book of it because he got that many replies. He, he's actually on my list to read actually and uh yeah because another thing is like i've got obviously close family that work in the nhs and stuff and, and family and friends so you hear some of their stories and you just have to read about it so yeah he's definitely on the list to read and another they're, book, they're so good they're so good yeah i need to and an another book I, I definitely would plug because it's it's definitely my favorite i can't believe i forgot it is a is a book called natives by carla um, yes I, we discussed him last time yeah carla yeah. he's brilliant He's absolutely sensational, and the, the book I think for any young person who wants to understand more about the play, the you know, the world they live in at the moment and the country they live in, in terms of England and the British Empire and racism throughout the uh, throughout the decades, definitely a Carla's book. He's just sensational, and he also he also not only gives you you know educational background, but but you know uh, combines it with his own experiences. It's just a sensational book. So I think any one of a or you know growing up should definitely read that. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Do you, uh, did you ever see it was a? I think it was one of those, you know, those Facebook videos that creep up out of nowhere, and they, it was him on a sort of talk show, and he was describing the Middle East and how it's responsible for like maths and language and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Never yeah. discussed when people discuss the Middle East in Britain. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I've, I've seen that video as well, and you know, he comes up on, he comes up on uh, videos of him like kind of. Uh, going against you know Tommy Robinson of the EDL and all yeah. of that, he's obviously so articulate and he's a, I mean he's a genius. I mean he is a genius. And uh, there's another there's another um, kind of interview you can watch where he gets interviewed by James O'Brien from LBC, mm -hmm. um, which is again it's an incredible interview. It's very I think it's like an hour and a half something like that. And yeah. James O'Brien is a very very smart man. And Akala, you know, James O'Brien's having to stop him and slow him down because he's so, you know, he's so incredibly smart that James O'Brien's having to take time to kind of process everything that he's saying. And it's, it's a brilliant interview. So I'd encourage people to watch that as well. No, I, I find you, there's like a separate, there's like a separate plane of people that can talk so eloquently. It is almost like a science. 100%. I find, um, have you ever listened to the comedian Tim Minchin? Yeah, the Australian. Is he Australian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's Australian, yeah. He, yeah. if you, so he's famous for his songs and his songs are hilarious. Yeah. But you could, I could go and listen to him talk and like not, yeah. not even try to be funny. Just the way he has an outlook on life is unbelievable. Yeah. And just, and, and probably these people are very well read as well. So they've read yeah. a lot. And exactly. I read because of their, the amount they've read, they've, you know, their vocabulary has expanded. They've become more eloquent. Um, and I know for a fact that Akala has read a lot. That's what I, yeah. you know, so yeah. Oh, oh! Forgot to mention. Quickly back on. So we we're talking about Phil Jackson. Did you yeah. watch on? Did you ever watch on Netflix a Coach's Rule for Life? I never watched that. Obviously, I watched everything. Everyone's watched um, the Last Dance, or whatever. Yeah, yeah the Last Dance. Yeah. Ah, uh, brilliant! Stuff. And I've not seen that. No, mate. It's really so. The first episode is another basketball coach it's called Doc Rivers. He was the coach of um, 
he was the coach of the Boston Celtics when they had their big team. They had their like superstar team. Yeah, and he talks all about and this this I don't know if you maybe heard it is out like it's called um, Ubuntu, and it's yeah. it, he took it from Africa during like the genocide and the problems Africa was having and yeah 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 I think like late nineties early noughties my history is not I'm really sorry if that's wrong I've yeah, not tried but but um, so he talks all about that and he talks about how because he had effectively the best players in the world all in one team yeah he's like well I'm I'm not here to coach them how to play basketball they know how to play basketball. Yeah, I'm here to yeah. turn them into the team, and then he taught them this philosophy, which is like Ubuntu, and it's like, I it, it basically translates into, I say basically translates. I'll probably paraphrase it and butcher it, but it's like, I am what I am because of you. So it's like, I'm only as good as my competitor. I'm only as good as my friends. Like yeah. my friends make me what I am. So it's like yeah. he, how he taught them all to believe in each other, and it was like it was a very interesting to see how he took such a very wide, expansive topic from such a sad situation. We managed to channel it into such a specific thing. It's, I'm really probably not doing it justice, so you really should go and watch it. It's, it's only like 40 minutes long. It's an episode, but it's, like, it's a good thing to watch before you go to sleep. No, 100%. I'll, that, it's on the list. It's on the list. I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm very, that's, that's right on my street. So, yeah, definitely. It's it's really good. And then, like, I remember we were saying, talking the other day, I really like basketball, so that's what drew me in. But that's the part that stuck. It, like, like we're saying, that's the part that stuck with me. Like, the basketball stuff was kind of just... Oh, yeah, okay. exactly. they, they they won some championships. Cool. That's the part that stuck with me. No, exactly, hundred percent. No, cool. Amazing. Um, what are we can talk. You've been watching the Olympics. Yeah, I have. I have. I have been watching it. I'm a bit of. I love the Olympics every year. It's tough because we yeah. see the timings a bit tough. Yeah. But I, have been, I have been one of those guys on my weekends. I've been getting up at three in the morning to watch certain events, and <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have been. Yeah. Mate, what have you been? I what have you been thinking about? Because all I've all I've watched and all I've thought the whole time I've done it is we do not put these like sports on a high enough pedestal. Yeah, I mean it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think it's uh, all the sports that go on are incredible. I was watching table tennis over there, and I was like, this is mental. Like how they're doing oh, that. That and badminton, how crazy! Yeah, badminton, especially the doubles, because it's like you have zero, like you've no time to react. They're just smacking it on you. Yeah. Um, Man, I love it all. I love it all. So I watched the sevens, which was uh, really good. I watched the men Heart- and the women's. Heartbreaking. Um, Heartbreaking, but so good. Yeah, tough, tough for GB, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of those, the men, obviously, I've got more connection with the men because I've played with nearly all of them. Yeah. Uh, We're going to discuss that later, don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I played, I played with nearly all of them. So tough to see that. And, you know, you, you think um, it could possibly be some of those last one song, especially in the Olympics. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, tough to see, but gave it a rule. And, and, and what many people, have, I think they're starting to realise now is that, you know, a couple weeks ago, they didn't have a programme. I, I was about to say the same thing, like six months ago, it wasn't a thing, GB. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they only just got together. So, um, to come forth in both mm-hmm. the men and the women's respectively is a, a pretty amazing achievement. And obviously, as professional athletes, they're not going to be happy with fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. And over time, you know, um, time heals all wounds, doesn't it? So over time, with, with a bit of hindsight and perspective, they'll be able to understand what they've achieved. And uh, I really, yeah. really hope in the future that uh, sevens, whether it's GB or, or it goes into England, Scotland and Wales again, um, gets the funding it needs because it's an unbelievable sport and it's a great pathway for uh, for young players such as myself, which came from it. Um, so yeah, so it was incredible to watch. No, I completely agree. I think um, 
I was talking to Hannah, obviously, she was my guest the other week on there. There'll be, be two or three weeks when this comes out. Hannah was on it. I spoke to her after it. And I was like, you don't realise how much of a win you guys have had. Yeah. Because you've come fourth. Yeah. And like, like, you've not got a medal, but the amount of work you've done in terms of actually inspiring and like, because like, you'll, you'll know yourself from seeing Twitter because they're in the same Twitter ecosphere that they claim it's not, but it is. And it yeah. was like, there was there was nothing but positive. I don't think there was a single bit of negativity, especially with the negativity surrounding the Lions at the moment and like all that Twitter nonsense. Mm. Like the mm. positivity from GB was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. And, and you can't and you can't really fault them. Obviously, if they had a full, fully fledged, paid for program for years and years, and they you know they had all these um, resources and they came forth, then yeah, you might get a bit of hate on Twitter, but. Really, no, no one can hate them because they've literally come from nothing and given it their all. Uh, exactly. And you know, and as as a, as an as an as athletes, sevens players, and you know, they've got to be some of the best athletes in the world in terms of all the skills they have to possess. Not only as a rugby player, but also physically, they've got to be able to be fast, fit, strong, powerful, agile. Um, you know, just so mm. many things like you know. Uh, thinking under fatigue, communication under fatigue. It's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy sport in itself. Obviously, yeah. you know, it correlates into the 15s game, but it is becoming really a sport in itself. And uh, they're unbelievable athletes, and they should be respected as so. Mm-hmm. I was, I was thinking. Um, I remember there was one that stood out to me. It was, it was the New Zealand women's winger, Michaela Blyde. I think her name is. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, sorry if I, I'm sorry if I got your name wrong, but she was. Like, it, it came up, and it was like. 63 kilos or something i was like imagine only being 63 kilos but then like you like if you looked at her you'd be like you must weigh at least 75 because you are nothing but muscle and you are still yeah. quite big so yeah it's like, yeah it's like getting that muscle on the frame but keeping the weight off is unbelievable yeah well i was i think when i played sevens i was around 85 88 maybe 88 yeah. kilos and i'm now 95 playing 15s <laughs> and uh but you, if you looked at me then, you probably wouldn't think I was as, you know, as like you wouldn't look at me now and go, oh, you're way bigger than you were then. Yeah. Um, but I was, you know, obviously I'm, I'd like to think I'm pretty, I'm probably stronger than I was then. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm definitely quicker than I was then. But, which is, you know, which is some people don't have when they put the weight on, they kind of lose the speed. But luckily I made sure I had a conscious mm-hmm. effort to make sure that I know I'm good, weight's going to come on. Because obviously the way fifteens game plays, um, yeah. I'm very conscious of the fact that's going to happen. So I worked really hard to make sure the speed stayed and got better, which is obviously mm-hmm. good. But one thing that I was, one thing that possibly I was then, which I'm not now, is a little bit leaner and a little bit good. <laughs> I probably look much better on the beach then than I did now. But um, are, you, are you are you still shredded for the budgie smuggler picks post game? That's the important part. I try to be, mate. I, I suck in as much as possible nowadays. But, but back then I didn't have to. Oh, mate, I was. Oh. We were, um, we can talk about this bit on podcast. I won't really. Uh, we, so for those who don't know, Blokes had their charity football match recently. And I was in the team with Tom Lindsay, uh, former guest on the pod, friend of the pod, and uh, Callum's current coach, Matthew Jess. And Matthew Jess is former pro player. And he was like, I've got the budgies for the for the changing room picture ready. And then I think he took like one nick at the rest of the, like one look at the nick of the rest of the boys. He's like, nah, lads, I won't do like, like he was, he must have been. Well, he's, he must be about nine years older than me, and I reckon he had more six packs, and I had hot dinners. Like, oh, I've mate. never seen I've never seen a man in better shape. 
amazing silly nick isn't he yeah i'm sure he probably took that took that uh budgie's uh photo in a selfie mode by himself in the corner <laughs> just him <laughs> yeah just him mate it's worth it man. he's an unbelievable nick so yeah no good on him mate i wouldn't i wouldn't even wear a t-shirt if i looked like matt jeff <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly right mate talking about the olympics if you could pick one sport from the olympics you could be good at but you're not allowed to say rugby sevens which one would you be So I've got two. Yeah. Gymnastics. Yeah. Or rowing. Mate, I rowing is the biggest lung burner I've ever seen. So yes, yeah, so I think I think the for me, rowing is like like you say, it's it's so tough. Yeah. And I've seen mm -hmm. I've seen like little kind of snippets of like um old old videos of like before the two thousand I think two thousand three was it Sydney? I can't remember what year that was, but like um, training. Uh, yeah the training was mental and i was like to get to where they were from that you're like they've got that, that, that's they've been through a lot and then i was watching the races recently and they're so close and you're like this is so exciting i was like this is incredible and then you win it must be an unbelievable experience like achievement like that feeling you get from winning something like, especially if you i don't know i'm really not very good at technique but i'm sure like you have obviously like multiple people in a boat sometimes mm -hmm. and like like what like it's like a team sport it's a team sport isn't it so it's like yeah. unbelievable like doing it with your mates and obviously grafted so well together that feeling you get in a rugby in a rugby uh change room after a game um you get in rowing i think that's unbelievable and uh gymnastics as well it's just it's just cool isn't it it's just it's, really cool. mate, do you know i i didn't realize how flexible you have to be to be a gymnast until i thought about it as this simple way i was watching um it was max whitlock it wasn't for his gold the other week it was at the last olympics in rio yeah and it was at it was when I noticed that they take their trousers off. So you know how like, you and I will take a pair of trousers off and like you'll bend at the knee and pull it off from the calf. Yeah. It's when they just it's, they just grab the waistband and just bend straight down like straight legged and just step out the trouser. That's yeah, when you yeah, realize yeah. how flexible they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I think I'd be pretty much the same as you. I'd choose gymnastics for the skill and sheer like body control you have to be a gymnast. Yeah. And then I'd choose I don't know, I'd choose like archery or something. I reckon it'd just be cool to be like a professional archer. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll tell you what, actually, the triathlon, like that that kind of stole me a little bit. I was yeah. watching that really intently. That was um I just really enjoyed it. I don't know why. I just it's not really my thing, like triathlon, like that sounds horrendous to me, like doing all that. Um I don't know, it's just really exciting. It was really exciting. So maybe that as well. basically I'm Maybe I'm mental in the head, but I, I I like the sports where they absolutely collapse at the end and just like yeah, and uh, like you know the guy who won it, uh, the individual trial from the men, he was throwing up at the end. He's like couldn't even get to celebrate. He was just on his knees, <laughs> knees vomiting. Like imagine imagine like finishing and then you go home, press on record, and you just watch yourself vomit at the end instead of celebrating. Yeah. With the <laughs> your mum your mum's trying to get a nice picture for you for the yeah, thing yeah. For <laughs> just your hands, hands and knees. Yeah, yeah exactly wheeled off in a wheelchair it's yeah. like, that's amazing mate speaking of do you watch um are you familiar with crossfit speaking of people like throwing up to the point of exhaustion well i've never done it i'm i'm, I'm not yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with it yeah I, I've obviously some of the athletes in that are pretty cra crazy i've watched i've actually watched a few in in a uh, lockdown i watched a few yeah. um crossfit the netflix shows the netflix yeah 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 like those um like fits man on the planet or like all the ones yeah they're the ones yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's all that? It's unbelievably impressive because it's like mixing Olympic weightlifting with like cardio and running and all that crazy stuff. And 
they're freakish athletes as well by the look of it. It's um you should chat to um you should chat to Dan, you know, Dan in our blokes group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So see he 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 didn't pack in rugby, he retired from rugby and then decided to do that because that's a nice easy retirement job. Yeah, he's yeah, like, right. he got he got to like he got to like some sort of quarterfinal in the European competitions or something. He's mental. Um, I heard I heard that they have like if you if you join like a CrossFit gym, it's like a family, like it's a good like a society, like it's a, yeah, a team. It, it seems it seems like a rugby club, if that makes sense. It feels like a yeah, it sounds like a yeah, rugby club. Yeah, yeah, that's why I get the feeling it's all like you're, you're part of like a club, and then you're like they all look after each other. It sounds pretty, but it sounds what it, it sounds kind of like what a rugby player should do. After they stop playing, kind of <laughs> yeah. keep themselves fit, and it gives you that team environment feel. So you feel like you're not missing it too much. It's probably the right mm. thing to do. No, he's like he's smashed. And then speaking just because we were talking about people getting to exhaustion, you might have seen it if you've watched the documentary. There was an there's a workout called they named workouts after like ex war veterans and stuff like that in America. Oh really? So okay. there, there was, yeah, there was one called Murph, and they did it in like the baking sun in LA for one of their like CrossFit games, like their version of the Olympics. And it was like so hot. You had like people like running for shade and stuff like that. Like people passing out from heat exhaustion. Like yeah. it was like a it was a proper. My body's telling me to stop, but my mind's telling me to keep going. And it's yeah. it was it was frightening to watch somebody be able to push themselves to that limit. Yeah, pretty mental. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, don't really know what to say about that. It's just actually, you'll be an absolute mental case to do that. But I feel I feel like maybe I actually was saying this in the car the other day. I was mm-hmm. saying that I want to do something when I retire. I'd love to do something. Oh, hopefully, after a long illustrious rugby career, um, <laughs> I'd love to do. I'd love to do something just stupidly mental, like, um, like run forty-five marathons in forty-five days. It's something absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> for charity, obviously. It just yeah. I did it. Um, I, I think it'd be great. It's like, um, what does what did Tom do in Harcourt? Tom Stevenson was it twenty-three yeah. marathons? In- is it 13 and 13 or 23 and 23? Yeah, something like that. He did something absolutely mental as well. Yeah. So, um, and kudos to that unbelievable achievement. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd like, I see those things and you kind of go, oh, I really want to have a go at that. You want to test yourself and push yourself to the limit. And uh, mm-hmm. definitely something I'd be keen to do. Obviously, no one, hopefully, no one comes chasing me saying they've got this challenge that I should do yet. I'm yeah. quite, not quite <laughs> you have, you'll have all the DMs coming in like you yeah, have everybody. Yeah, yeah. Not quite ready for it yet, but yeah. at some point in my life, I'd love to do something mental. No, I, I can do I'd love to, like you say, I'd love to just have it as a, I did that thing that people thought I couldn't do type thing. Yeah, like you're at the pub and they go, you did what? For yeah. How long? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I did that. And they're like, you, you know, you know, you made it when somebody's like scrolling through the phone and then yeah. they stop and scroll back to go, wait, what? He's done what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually had a, I actually had a, this was like when I was a kid, I, if my old man listens to this, he'll, he'll remember this. Um, we had a, I had a mate who, uh, his old man was like an ex, I think he was like ex-military, and he rode the Pacific, something like that. And um, I, I, I said to him, I was like, what? Like, why would you do that? Why did you do that? And he went, I just needed some headspace. And I was like, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's that's like a proper Bruce Willis and diehard answer, isn't it? Like, yeah, I was like, that is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever, like, rode the missing, just needed some headspace. And I was like, yeah. wow, that is the coolest thing ever. I just wanted some time away from the missus, mate. So yeah. <laughs> Mental. That's crazy. Mate, speaking about, um, speaking about headspace, actually, I'm quite honest, I'm talking, I'm thinking, um, it's like, we're going on about books, um, like, young athletes, because obviously you're quite young and you've got a few good stories from your time as you've faced like you grew up in rugby quite a bit, um, but like speaking like young athletes in headspace, like have you seen like the age of some of the people in the Olympics? Like speaking of gymnastics, have you seen those two twins? I think it's 
Guard of not Guard of War, Gardova twins or something. Uh, they're at their first Olympics, and I generally don't think they're past being teenagers yet. Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's mental. I've seen a few. I've not seen them. I don't think, but obviously, I know uh, athletes in gymnastics are they they yeah. breed them really young, and being young and light and small is probably like really good for gymnastics. And but I've seen mm. other sports like you've got skateboarding now that's in the Olympics. You've got thirteen-year-olds winning gold medals. I know. Um, what, what were you doing when you were thirteen? For contrast, because I know yeah. I wasn't winning gold medals when I was thirteen. I was at school and boarding. I was at boarding school, just trying to get to breakfast every morning. I think that was probably yeah. my my achievements. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was praying to God puberty hit soon. I think that's what I was doing. I was thirteen. Yeah, me, me, I'm the same. I literally, yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting for it to hit. <laughs> Mate, it's fine. Everybody keeps telling me when we're forty, we'll look twenty-five. So that'll be grand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> Right, mate, bit of fun. Now I want to talk to you about rugby because obviously you've got a pretty incredible story. So you touched on it there. You st- well, you didn't start off at Harrow School, but Harrow School is where rugby kind of became a bit more prominent in your life. How did you end up at Harrow School? Yeah, so I was, I, I was, um, so I was playing for Richmond, which was my home club, uh, and I played in a get like a under, I can't remember what, under 11s or whatever it was, under 12s yeah. and 13s game. And, chaos, uh, chaos on the pitch, no structure. Yeah, yeah, Have just ball and run. scoring yeah. tries and having fun. And a, a man approached my uh, my old man, who's from another boarding school. Mm-hmm. Um, he was from Stowe, uh, and he was very nice. And he said, "You know, we'd like to offer your son a scholarship at Stowe or something like that." Um, and my dad said, "No, too far away." So he said, but he was very nice about it. He said. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely fine, but would you be willing for me to send his name out to other schools, maybe closer, because you know I think he's got something and blah blah. blah. Uh, at the time, you know, I, I was part of the, like, the Wasps EPDG, the Elite Player Development Group, at like, a young age, and yeah, you know, at that po- at that point, you know, you love your rugby and you want to do it, but you know, you don't quite understand. Obviously, we can come on to this, but you don't quite understand. You know, the situation where I was in probably rugby wasn't going to be a realistic thing for me mm-hmm. where I was going to school where I was living um uh, so a couple of days later I got an email by uh from Jesse Coulson who was head of sport at her at the time uh who asked me to come round uh, have a look round I did so um it wasn't quite as easy as kind of just getting a scholarship I had to go to a trial day which had like like a hundred different athletes from the around the world there yeah different sports and obviously you could be the best rugby player there but there might be an unbelievable pole vaulter and they might just offer him the scholarship instead so you know you had to like play out like train yeah. out your day and do your best and uh so yeah so i i went there and did the trial day and i was offered a scholarship for rugby and athletics um and yeah and and obviously i had to make the decision and i made the decision in the car with my mum and dad and they parked up just coming like there's a massive hill that goes up to Harrow School because it's like they call it Harrow on the Hill. Oh, and right. They parked up like on the side of the road. They both like that thing you see when you're in like a movie where you put both parents look back at you in the back seat. <laughs> and they were like, they went, so like, do you want to do this? And this whole place was alien to me. Like I, you know, with I loved the place I went to school. I went to Twickenham Academy. You know, I loved it there. I had all my friends there, which was you know, you know. At the time, you know, it went from being a school called Witten to Twickenham Academy. You know, it had a bit of a tough time with Ofsted, and you know, you know, it wasn't. 
it wasn't this kind of school you'd go to to become a professional rugby player. Right. Um, and uh, that place, you know, you, you went to Harrow and had 18 rugby pitches and an 18-hole golf course, you know, and a <laughs> state-of-the-art performance gym just for scholarship athletes. You know, pretty, oh, so- pretty incredible, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they looked around at me and they said, so do you want to do this? By the way, you'll be living away from home for a month on end, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, 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 I want to do it. You know, kind of mum, bottom lip started to shake and she just turned back around. And <laughs> Praying you were going to say no. <laughs> My boy's yeah, yeah, hoping, hoping I said no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> kind of the, the fatherly, yes, son, good. Like, I drove down. And that was it. And then I was at Harrow. I've been, I was at Harrow for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and it, it, it is probably the most incredible five years of my life um i've had obviously unbelievable experiences since i've traveled the world uh through my time in the sevens um but you look back obviously at the time when you're a miserable 17 18 year old and you think boarding school to prison um you don't quite understand how how lucky i was to go there uh to have the connections that you do now for going there and also the opportunity opportunities it gave me to become to, to fulfill a dream if one was to be a professional rugby player so mm. yeah i really enjoyed my time there oh mate so you you've segued nicely for me you're doing my job for me which makes it really easy tell me how you got picked up by england sevens because i remember you've told me this story off camera before and it was it was some sort of like date like festival of sevens or something you were like 18 19 yeah yeah so i was at wasp still um yeah. and is, I... it, is this when you were in the wasps academy Yes, I was in the Wasp Academy yeah. and I was, I was released from the Wasp Academy. Uh, I had a shoulder injury, I didn't play and it all, you know, it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those moments where, for me, you kind of, and from what people were telling me, they were thinking, they were telling me, I think you're going to get a contract to Wasp, you should be fine. You know, you've got enough yeah. credit in the bank and it didn't quite work out. So it was a bit, you know, you know, the, the walls crumbled down on top of me and it was a bit of a shocking moment for me. So, um, but, you know, I, after that kind of conversation, we went straight down to the pitch and we started training for sevens. And we had an unbelievable year that year in terms of the Harrow School sevens team. We had me, we had uh, Sean Raphael at Saracens, Andy Christie at Saracens, Elliot Batiimbo at Saracens. We had Will Glover, who's another English, who was, was an English sevens player with me. Um, we had an unbelievable team. You yeah. know, so we went around and we did do very well. We won the Marshes Sevens, which is a huge Sevens tournament nationally with schools. Mm-hmm. Um, we beat like Sherbourne College, who are like one of the best schools in the country for rugby. We smashed them 45-5 or something in the final. <laughs> uh, so we know we were really doing well. And uh, I don't think we lost the tournament or like going into the Roslyn Park Sevens, which is what she said, which is the biggest, I think it's mm-hmm. the biggest festival of rugby in the world at school level. So yeah. you've got schools from from other countries coming just to compete in this sevens tournament. It's, I mean, that I, I can't even explain. Wait, it wait, to- like when you when you say the schools, do you mean like um, what's the one? Is it Paul Ruse in South Africa? And Peter- yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul, yeah, they're all there. They're all there. You got um, Fenef, uh, schools from Fenethly and was like the, all the big um, yeah. colleagues are like the massive feeder to Fenethly Scarlets. All these boys who are like, yeah. you know, all ready to go to professional rugby. You like you've been to be professional player, all there. Uh, got schools from around the country in England. Everyone's there. It is massive. It's like two days long. It's mm-hmm. I can I can even tell you how many kids at like 80, 17, 80, all from all age groups. It is like a huge thing, and um, it's a massive window of opportunity. Obviously, at the time I wasn't signed anywhere, and 
I actually thought I was going to university and that's probably why I, I enjoyed my rugby so much. I was I was making a bit of a wave throughout the sevens circuit through playing for school um, and uh, playing that tournament and my team got to the final um, and I scored 18 tries over two days, something like that. And um, <laughs> You said that in such a humble way. Just, <laughs> Wasn't wasn't quite twenty, but it was very yeah. close to twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I scored, a, I scored a few, and I scored two in the final, and just before the final. So we played like Millfield in the semi final, which obviously everyone knows Millfield, right. unbelievable school. Mm-hmm. Um, we beat them, uh, <laughs> you know, which is not like if we played them at fifteens. I don't know if we would. Like, so it's, you know, we had just a great sevens team. So, um, and I was like rolling out on the dead ball area. Um, and Simon Amor came up to me, oh, yeah. who was that head of England Sevens at the time. And he came up to me in, in the way that he does. And he kind of went, Oh, you're right, mate. I went, Yeah, I'm not too bad. He went, You're Callum Sir, I'm Simon Amor. Nice to meet you. I said, Nice to meet you. And he'll obviously, he obviously, I know, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full England tracksuit on. And, yeah. and said, like, How do you feel about coming to like trial out the Sevens, you know, come to a trial day? And I said, Yeah, I really like that. He went, Cool. We'll contact you. I went, okay. And then just before the final. Um, <laughs> and I thought, well, I've got to do all right in the final. So I managed to score two tries in the final, but we unfortunately lost um, against Cranley, who are an unbelievable team. Uh, and I had a lot of friends at Cranley as well. So it was a mm-hmm. tough one, tough pill to take, tough pill to swallow. Was, was um, the phone was lighting up after that? Was it just... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Today, mate. exactly. And for boys that aren't even playing in the seven, just lads that I know that go to Cranley and like boys and girls that I know go to Cranley just takes me down on Luggy. And uh but then luckily we had a chance to play them again at the replay because obviously it's such a big tournament. You, by getting to the final you have the privilege of playing at Twickenham in the replay at the London Sevens. Cool. So we went there um and like all off our, everyone's family's there, school kids are there. Uh, Cranley bought that whole school basically to watch the game. Yeah. Um, and we were at the tunnel and I remember like I had loads of mates and they were just screaming down like, Callum, you're shit. You're going to be rubbish today. Like that. Yeah. And you're just smiling at him. And we pumped them like 45-5 in the replay. Uh, <laughs> and I that must like, have felt so good. It felt so good. But like we looked around each other and I was like, why couldn't we have done this in the final? And just won the trophy. Yeah. Like we looked around and like, so annoying. We just, um, I can't remember how many tries I scored in that. I, mean, I think it was, two or three but it was you know a great day and Simon Amor was there to watch and even the lads that I was soon to become my colleagues at England Sevens just yeah. finished their last game so they actually stood on the side of the pitch and watched the game so they knew who the, they obviously knew who the lads who were like they knew me or me and Will Glover were going to be coming to the England Sevens so they wanted to get a look at us and luckily we both you know played pretty pretty well so it was a good little advert and um yeah from there I've spent two years uh at the Sevens um and I absolutely loved my time there. Travelled the world, went to places I probably have never gone to unless I played for the Sevens. So I really enjoyed my time there. Amazing. Um, talking about you, you're doing a great job here. I might just send you my notes on the thing because you're doing it well. Before we talk about England Sevens, uh, what was it like in the England regional, like not regional setups, but like England's age grades? Because you, you're very modest that you were just playing school level, but you're actually doing a bit for England age grades and stuff like that. Yeah, so I played uh, England 16s. I got two cuts for England 16s, played uh, Scotland and Wales. And then I... Went to were, they home, were they home or away, England, England uh, Wales and Scotland? So Scotland was at home. We were at home. Oh, you missed uh, out. 
Mr. Yeah, Lynch, exactly. Up north. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we played, yeah, we played them and we beat Scotland and I scored two in that game. And then we played Wales away at Neath. Yeah. And uh, yeah, tough, tough place to go. And um, yeah, the story I remember from that is that um, we came out of the tunnels and we got up to line up to, take, to sing the anthem. And um, that someone came on the tunnel and said, oh, uh, we're having trouble with the, the speaker system at the moment. And uh, unfortunately, the England team, they're going to have to sing their the national anthem a cappella. So we did. <laughs> So we sang a cappella like terribly, um, <laughs> and then like we finished our singing, thinking like the Welsh team are gonna have to sing a cappella as well. And then all of a sudden, how coincidentally and conveniently, the, the tunnel speaker worked again, so they got to sing it all. <laughs> the that's all so good. Yeah, and all that's, the England fans. That's mind games there. Exactly. You see all the England fans going, like, "Oh, there we go." Obviously, how convenient. So. Yeah, that's just typical Welsh English Welsh rivalry, isn't it? So yeah, I did that and we won that game and then I went to a couple of seventeens and eighteens camp. Unfortunately I got injured with a shoulder injury which took me out for my kind of eighteens year. Mm-hmm. Um and then I was lucky enough to through the sevens, England sevens, I got told kind of while I was at, in actually in a tournament in Poland that I'd been selected to be, I'd be called up to the twenties uh, World Cup in Georgia. Nice. Um, so I went to the 20s World Cup in Georgia and I, I didn't play, um, but it was a great experience to be there and to kind of give my first taste of 15s again uh, after mm-hmm. two years out um, with some boys that I knew growing up, obviously. Um, and yeah, really cool, really cool. You know, it was, uh, I was there as kind of like injury covering to help out and um, yeah, just, I just worked, I worked hard, tried my best, and you know we got to the final as a team, and unfortunately lost to an unbelievable New Zealand New Zealand side who were pretty sensational. Obviously, got some boys now in the All Blacks, so pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool experience. And then after that, I was straight back into the sevens and <laughs> another year. Yeah, there's there's no shame in losing to New Zealand at rugby. I don't think there's I don't think anybody's going to judge you for that. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Um, so. When you were talking about age grade and then representative there, so you were talking about getting selected and called up, I remember we were talking about this before because we had quite a similar experience. So I never got to your level, but I got to regional level. So we had like south of Scotland, Caledonia, places like that. And I remember we were discussing this. Did you have it where, so you say when you were doing like a training week before they announced the squad and you have like the select, so you have like your 40-man squad before they go down to the Did you Did you have it where they would just like, you just, you were just all in a room and they just list out names. Like how did yeah, you yeah, go? Yeah. So, so I remember it, obviously it got a bit more um, advanced when you got older in the age group, obviously like, um, like 70s, 80s. And tw- like when I went to the 20s World Cup, you obviously got like very humble, like you got told you've been called up to the England 20s World Cup. You got you know, put in a private room and taken. But for some reason at England under 16 level, when I played that, like it's such a formative moment. Like people think they're going to make it, they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were in, we were all in divisions, so I was in L- London and Southeast, Midland, yeah. and you had like Midlands, North, and Southwest. And obviously, so on the day of selection, um, London and Southeast would go into their room, Midlands mm-hmm. would go into their room, and you know, and so on and so forth. And basically, the coach would stand up in the, at the front of the room, and he'd say, and he'd name all the lads from the Southeast of England, South. East of England, London, South East of England, that would be selected for the England under 16s. So, <laughs> so he he named he named he list out the names and quite a few boys from London South East that got selected, which was you know yeah. lovely. you had me, David Abatoye, Nick Asekwe, Ben Earl, 
Um, That's an impressive squad you're with right there, just with those yeah, names alone. Yeah, to name a few. So there's a few. Uh, I'm probably Ruben Bird Tillock. Um, yeah, there's a, a, a number of boys, a number of really good players. So we've mm-hmm. got selected. Um, I'm trying to think, I forgot anyone. Don't, uh, if it, if I have, I have. Um, and uh, <laughs> they'll let you. They'll let you know when they see it on the podcast. They're like, yeah. mate, how could you forget me? Yeah, I don't think they'd be that bad. Like, you know, if I called out in England a 16 meeting, but um, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that um, we all got caught, like we named, and like yeah. boys, we're standing out of them, like boys are clapping, but you can see lads that are like crying, like and clapping, and you're like, this is so brutal. Like, there's definitely a better <laughs> way this can be done. So, like standing up and then facing the room. Yeah, so you're facing <laughs> these young, six, 15, 16 year old lads whose dreams have just been, well, they think they've just been shattered to a million pieces. <laughs> and you're stood up there giving the thumbs up to everyone, like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I feel great. <laughs> yeah, and these lads just crying their eyes out, and you're like, this is horrible. Like, why am I standing there? And then the coach goes, and obviously, like, if you'd like to, like, get up and congratulate the boys that have been selected, and these lads are coming up to you, and they're just tears in their eyes, and they're just shaking your hand, and you don't know what to do. And I just thought, I just, with hindsight, you look back at you think that is the most brutal moment ever. Like, that's humbling from a very young age. That that is very humbling. Yeah, like, like a lot, of, a lot of lads that didn't make it, and they always said this. You know, lots that didn't make it at sixteen. So, well, I'm professional other players now, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. I mean, being good at six, you know, being the best player in the world at sixteen doesn't make doesn't give you, you know, just so everyone knows, doesn't mean you're going to be a professional player when you're older. There's so many different reasons why you become one in different pathways, and you know. It's a late maturation sport, so you could, you know, be yeah. there or thereabouts at 16 and, you know, come into your own at 18 or 20 or 21 after uni. So, um, you know, at, at the time, obviously, these young lads mm-hmm. think their dreams are shattered. And, but, then, but then again, you think when you, when you get to that, you know, on the other, on the shoe on the, shoe on the other foot, you think you're going to be the next England star when you play England 16. So, and some boys were, you know, yeah. but you've got Fennell and boys like that who are doing unbelievably well at the moment. But, yeah, it was a pretty brutal moment. It's a quite a funny story. Like you can laugh at it now, but at the time you're like, "Wow!" Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that just having to stand at all the people going, because like, because the way my brain would look at it is if I was watching names get picked out, going, "Okay, well, there's definitely one less spot than there was one name ago now." So yeah, they, they've yeah. got my spot as far as I'm concerned until I'm up there with them. Yeah, and you've got loads of other divisions divisions calling their names out, and you're thinking, "How many, how many Southeast players got picked?" And yeah. oh, it was all mental, man. It's crazy time. Great time. I, I, I'd be panicking, like especially like I suppose I suppose it's different for me and you. We both played back row, so there's a bit of utility. Or I played back row, and you played winger, so there's a bit of utility where you can move. Yeah, but, like people for like, specialist positions, like the tens must be going. So if three have got picked from here already, and I know there's six other rooms with people getting picked that have good tens yeah. in it. Well, example, an example, of someone who didn't get picked from the under 16s, Ben yeah. Curry. So Tom Curry got picked. I played with Tom yeah. Curry. And Ben Curry didn't look at Ben Curry now. I mean, he's just got his first England cap. England cap. So, you exactly. know, um, you know really, you, you're, do, you're doing well whenever you can keep South Africans out of a back row and sale as well to play. So exactly, mate. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a great achievement. I really enjoyed my time. But you know, when you start to get to kind of England twenties, and that's when you start getting set. That's when things become a little yeah. bit more real. But yeah, I, I remember. I'll, t- I'll tell you. So I remember. Him. I used to work in a hotel just near my house. And we actually housed the England under twenties once. They were like when they were playing in Six Nations up here, oh, yeah. and I remember I was like serving them like their breakfast because I was working at the buffet. So I was just, like part time, 
part-time yeah. staff. And then I think I was talking, I don't think it was Maro. It might have been um, Joel or somebody like that. Joel Caputo? Caputo? I don't want to butcher his name. I'm so, oh, we're so bad in rural Scotland for names, but especially, especially my accent, it doesn't help. Like I could say it perfectly, but it sounds wrong. <laughs> so, but yeah, he was there and he was like, he must have been at least like a foot and a half taller than me. And it's like, you know, when you have that realization of why you didn't become a professional rugby player. Oh, oh, yeah, you're talking about Joel Kapoku, aren't you? Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, the one yeah, from Saracens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, yeah, I've played him recently. I didn't play him that long ago. He's a mammoth and he's huge. It's like this just huge man. Yeah. Um, it's like you were watching him and he was like he was like oh i'm having like a light breakfast there and he was like ch like chewing through bacon yeah. and sausages getting the protein in and eggs and you're like wow yeah don't worry about it i'm a professional play rugby player and i see people like that and i think maybe this isn't, isn't the job for me but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you can run past them i was just stood there like, yeah yeah you can, you can yeah. sidestep them you gotta hope they don't have the ball and you're directly in front of them but yeah <laughs> Now just become like the human speed bump. Just throw yourself at the ankles and just hope for the best. That's exactly what I do. That's exactly tin hat what I do. on, tin hat yeah, on, tin hat on. Exactly. <laughs> Mate, um, right. I want. I know you've got some great stories about England sevens, so we're going to talk about England sevens because who was your very famous roommate that you got given on one of your first trips? Yeah, so I had Dan Norton as. So I, so I played in the Hong Kong ten, which is a pretty famous tournament in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And I, after that tournament, I was called up to the main team, England sevens. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, for, for context, how, how old were you at this point? 18, exactly. So, imagine imagine being 18, finally old enough to drink, and somebody goes, By the way, you're going on an all expenses paid world tour, <laughs> yeah, yeah, is that 18, 19? Yeah, 18, and um, yeah, maybe just turned 19, and, and yeah, and they said, Oh, you, you, you've been selected for your 13th man at Hong Kong, mm -hmm. um, I said, Amazing, and they said, On oh, your your room with Dan Norton, I went, Oh. <laughs> because like obviously you know at the time dan dan obviously um, unbelievable player unbelievable try scorer but at the time he's your mortal enemy because you're trying to get him out of the team um <laughs> and obviously me and dan had some pretty tasty training sessions and uh i was trying to learn off him but also mm -hmm. take his head off at the same time because obviously i wanted to play <laughs> so, uh difficult times and dan i think many people would like his nickname dean would think you know, with things he gets charged at night, he comes in with so much energy. And uh yeah, and I had to room with him and I got into the room and he basically said to me, I don't want to hear your voice, I don't want to see you move. <laughs> and so, and so tomorrow, yeah, and I was like, Okay, cool. And I just started playing bed, like and, um, Thank I you, Mr. Norton. Sorry, Mr. Norton. <laughs> and I literally I literally like it was such different ends of the spectrum because like, I was 18, 19, obviously I was thirteenth man. Yeah. And I think I just played in the tent and we got to the final. It was a great time. I'm thinking, like, I, I, it's quite funny because, like, at that, at, at that age, I'm thinking, amazing. I'd be picked for, like, as 30th man in England. But the likelihood I get on, probably not. Because you're, like, you're, you're travelling reserve for that yeah. tournament. And you're thinking, I've just missed a night out on the piss with the lads that I just played with. Yeah. I'm, like, talking about, like, and I'm trying to think, like, what do I do after? Or what? I need to get myself in the right shape of the tournament. Then when the tournament finishes, where can I go out? Whereas yeah. Dan Norton was like on FaceTime to his family and his little one and like talking about, you know, kitchen developments and stuff. And I'm thinking like, how do I even like, like, how do I even dress myself in the morning? I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, do, do we have to wear stash all the time? Or? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like different ends of the spectrum. Like, you know, like I was a single bloke at the time, so like you, you know, I was loving life. So completely different. Your, your phone, just, your phone just had that one smudge that kept going the same direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just um, 
Yeah, that's, that, that's the most rugby thing we'll say on this chat. I promise we don't always talk like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so um, completely different in the spectrum, but you learn a lot from him. And I, like, I, 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 I say a lot about Norse and you know our our relationship. But um, when I was there, but he, you know, he's a great bloke. He does, he's done a lot for England sevens, and and he's an unbelievable player. And I learned a lot from him. Um, and the way he beats a man is ridiculous. And um, He's getting on now, mine, but... Um, he, he still yeah. looked all right the other week playing rugby. Yeah, so you are, that's what annoys you. It's like, you're nearly 500 noughts, give it up. Do you know what I mean? Just like... Um, but yeah, he's an unbelievable player. I've not spoken to him in a very long time, but I used to do this thing even when I left... <laughs> even when I left Sevens, um, yeah. I've not seen him for like six months. I just send him an Uber split on my phone <laughs> on a night out. So I just send him like split fair with Dan Norton and he'd like text me like he'd text me like six in the morning he'd be like piss off like, like go away please like uh and I just every time I just and I would not reply I just read it and then like two weeks later I'd go out again I'd just split the room again hoping to split it. <laughs> but he never would but it was funny in, for in, oh, I bet he I bet that was the least funny thing he's ever thought and then like you and your friends like you say like that's the funniest bit of banter you can have oh yeah I just I was just like but I never told him I was just like oh I just it's just one of those things. I was just like split. And when it just came up with an option, do you want to split? I was like split. I just hope for the next. Day. I one day just went. Yeah, why not? I'm feeling. I'm feeling generous today. One day you save like eight quid on a fair. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mate, I think it'd be one of those things like we were saying earlier. Like you don't realize how beneficial it was at the time, but then like you see in like four years' time, you look back and go, having Norris as a roommate really, really helped. Oh, massively. And then like, um, you know, just I just followed him around really, just like. Followed him around like a bad smell around to meetings and stuff, and obviously it's kind of the same as like any tour. You're responsible for your roommate, so yeah. like if I if he was late, I was late, and if I was late, he was. Do you know what I mean? So he yeah. made sure that I was on time. I, I was always I was never late for anything. I was probably more on top of things in terms of timings than he was. He was very relaxed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of relaxed. Norts, you know, did what he wanted. Yeah. Top price score in the world. I'm, I'm Dan fucking Norton. That's how I don't yeah, exactly, yeah. so I've come standing at the door with like 25 minutes till the meeting. We should only have a two minute walk down the road, down the, the corridor. I was like, no, we've got to go. And he's like, can you just relax, please? <laughs> Still in bed, just like me. Yeah, literally, like, you probably get up about 30 seconds before we had to be there. And I was like, oh, I need to be there right now. <laughs> Mate, bless him. He's so, in fairness, he's probably got more air miles than most people have had hot dinners. That man, to be fair. Mate, I'm, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I dread to think how many, how many times he's been on a plane, how many times he's had to travel. He's probably, uh, he's probably the most unbelievable like traveller. When he, even when he goes on holiday, he's probably got uh, like this bag that rolls out and it's got like yeah. everything you need on it, like and, like like basically like James Bond, like it's got everything it needs. And, yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those dashboards in the car. You just put it down and just has the exact button that helps him in that situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you, you just and I, and for a, for a time for my two years there, I got very good at traveling. Like I got very good at like having the right amount of clothes for the right amount of day <laughs> and like rolling it up perfectly so it fitted. You know, you just get really good at that stuff. Or then like buying like the small shampoos instead of you know what I mean. So yeah, the tra- the I mean, travel stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then you get really good at, on planes and like no what to press for certain things and then like you know where everything is at Heathrow because you've been there so many times um, I'd, I'd hate that the novelty of duty free must wear off quite fast 
Massively, massively. But you, 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 it never stops getting family members peppering you for when you come home for like duty free stuff. And you're like, I don't really want to. You get like, you pay the whole. <laughs> Your mate's asking you to get like the 100 Marlboro fags for like 20 Exactly. Weeks. Yeah. And you're so sore <laughs> and battered. And you've probably been on the night out and you've got straight on a play. So you're hung yeah. over score. And some bloke's asking you to look around duty free and get loads of stuff. You're like, please leave me alone. But. It is what you got to do. It's, it's the small things you've got prices you have to pay to. The tough world, world, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, yeah. right, we're going to talk now. We obviously, we know what happened. You're now a proud member of the Cornish Pirates. Yes. You must yes, be buzzing. How did you end up at Cornish Pirates? Because you were telling me about it was a bit of a whirlwind there. So you decided that Wasp wasn't the place for you and you thought, well, yeah. you, tell, you, you, you tell me the story. Tell me the story you want to tell me of how it went. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, things ended at Wasps, and I uh, put it this way: it ended pretty late, yeah. so I, I didn't have um, much to go off. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd not played the amount of games I wanted to, put it that way, and um, I was left kind of with not much game time, not a lot of highlights, and told very late that I wasn't going to be uh, continuing on with Wasps, and obviously yeah. that's. That is just, um, unfortunately, that is just professional sport. It's, yeah. brutal. it's, the, way, it's the way it is. You've got to get used to it. Um, so, at the time, that was that was my that was my um, that was my reality, and I had to get pretty uh, on board with the fact that I didn't think I had a job in yeah. So, obviously, um, I've said already that I'm doing law school online part time. Well. You know, before at the end of the season, I thought I was going to be doing that full time at mm-hmm. uh, law school in Waterloo, and I'd have to look for a part time job on the side and possibly try and play some rugby uh, part time and try and keep the dream alive. But you kind of think to yourself that because of the intensity of law school, that it was going to be a kind of a crash course to get through my PGDL, my postgraduate diploma in law. Yeah. I wouldn't have time to play rugby and have a job on the side that pays me so I can actually, you know, maybe find a little flat or house share or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, the dream was the rugby was, you know, it was looking kind of, you know, it was squeaky. On the back burner. Yeah, yeah. Massively. So, you know, on the back burner, I was having, you know, I was having real genuine thoughts that maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe just, maybe rugby is just not going to pan out. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I'm going to be that guy in the pub that said, um, you know, I would have been that if it, if it wasn't for this and wasn't for that. But I was determined that wasn't going to be the case. So, mm-hmm. um, I got a message from obviously Matt Jess, who's obviously a friend of ours and, uh, one of, one of the greatest people we've ever met, I think it's safe exactly, to say. Yeah. He's, you know, an ambassador for blokes. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. And uh, he kind of messaged me out. So obviously, before then, I had lots of talks with um, clubs, championship, a few premiership, and it, they all just fizzled out before that. Yeah. So that's, that's why I was coming to the realisation that maybe I wasn't going to have a club and I just have to get on with my life. Um, and luckily for me, I, had a, I have a degree. So I was going mm-hmm. into law. So luckily, I had something to fall back on. Um, so I got a text from Matt Jess who kind of said like I'm assuming you have a club but if you don't you know maybe you might want to come to the Cornish Pirates I messaged him saying I haven't got a club and, and I'd, I'd love to go to the Cornish Pirates <laughs> I'd, I'd be very interested in having a look at or talking about the Cornish Pirates straight away that that, that day he's given me a call um, and um, we've discussed it he's kind of given me his idea mm-hmm. of it what they want their vision 
um, and said and suggested that you know we chat on like a Zoom call with Gavin Cattle, who's one of the head coaches at uh, Cornish Park. Mm-hmm. At the time, I so now and, and at the time I didn't have an agent, so obviously I parted ways with my agent because I think I thought I didn't need one because I'm not a professional rugby player anymore. So yeah. <laughs> um, so I had a Zoom call with Gavin, Gavin and uh, Matt Jess was there, and when, uh, I, lo- I, you know, Matt Gavin was brilliant. He's a brilliant bloke himself, and you know, and uh, I've heard a lot of good things from people uh, about the Cornish parts and about the coaching staff. So the, uh, the only thing that was, this is the world with. So before then, when when Matt got hold of me, I was like, he asked me about it, and I said I'm interested, and we had a few conversations, and. I said to him, and he said, and when it started to heat up, yeah. I, was going, I was going on a lad's holiday. So I had to, <laughs> where, where are we talking? Are we talking like proper Ibiza ocean? No, 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 no. So this was this was when the COVID was like in July, I think it was July or something. So it was, it was right. like June, June. So I was like Brighton. We went to Brighton. <laughs> like four Wait, nights. Brighton's quite hip and trendy, from what I see. I mean, I'm I'm rural Scotland, so but... I know. it was brilliant. No, hip and trendy. It was really cool, vibrant, and. Uh, busy and you know uh, allowed us to go to like this nightclub, but the nightclubs were like tables, so it was like, nightclub music and dark and brilliant. I'm not <laughs> giving out my night my nights out there, but um, so I kind of messaged him and said like, by the way, Matt, I'm on a lads' holiday. Like, just, I'm going to be on a lads' holiday for like four days, four nights. Uh, like, I probably won't text you at midnight <laughs> on, <laughs> on my nights out, Steve, and be like, yes, I was, you know what I mean. So. Um, you know, and we actually did speak while I was out on my last holiday, and I didn't tell the boys anything. So like, yeah. I was like, at, like at a party. Were you, were you were you with mates from home, or were you with like mates from? Well, Wasps, mate, right? Mates from Wasps. I was with uh, Tim Cardle, Will Porter, and Cam Anderson, and we meant to go with like a few other lads. One of them being yeah. Top Lewis, and then he like messaged us a couple of days before the lads' holiday. Like, Sorry, I've been called up to England. We're like, all right, see you later. Would you, <laughs> would you rather be England travel lads' holiday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So battered um, for eighty minutes, or just yeah, the beer. We were like, "Don't speak to us again." You didn't come to the lads' holiday, but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there was a few times where like I'd be at a beer in hand at a pub. Yeah, um, I'd get a call from Matt Jess or like a message from Matt Jess. I'd be like out on the phone or like you know speaking, and the lads were like, "What's he getting on his phone for?" Like, so um, they knew something. They knew you were phoning the missus or something. Yeah, exactly. So I got home. Exactly. So I got home from the lads' holiday. And uh, that's when I had my Zoom call with Gavin and, and Matt. And mm. I kind of said, you know, because I, I initially kind of one of the things in the negotiations, I didn't have an agent at the time. Uh, I said, I, I haven't got a plan. I can't find a one, like a one bed, one bed flat in Penzance because everything yeah. was in summer, Cornwall, beautiful. Everyone's renting them out as Airbnbs. And there was like one left. So Gavin said to me, like, why don't you come down and have a look at this place? Um, that we've got, or one of the lads owns that you know he gives out rents out to boys. Um, why don't you come down this week? And I was like, literally just come back from Brighton, yeah. yeah. And he like, wants me to come down to Cornwall, and he's like, by the way, don't come on a Friday because that's obviously when the traffic's going to hit. Yeah. yeah, and it was like Wednesday, <laughs> so I was like, uh, so I just literally was like, okay, yeah, I'm coming. So I went. That it was a Tuesday, so like I said to my dad like my old man who wanted to come with, I said, we need to go down to Cornwall this week and before Friday. <laughs> so we're like, well, we'll leave tomorrow then. So we got, got in the car, drove down, we met by um, 
met my gav and shown around the house it's beautiful a uh, great view which i showed you earlier oh, um, mate, it's, you'll have to post the picture on the gram that people can see when it comes out because it's, yeah. it's blissful like, yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool so um kind of was you know kept my poker face because i said i have an agent at the time so i was trying to be like um cam Campbell has done this a million times before <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so and then we got shown around the men they feel was obviously a famous comic parts famous uh yeah, yeah. loved it and kind of uh over a coffee came to an agreement on on a contract which you have to do at this level mm -hmm. um and yeah and then on by i was there on the wednesday i remember and then thursday i signed and i remember on the wednesday you know i said i see you said like obviously you're entitled to your art your Rugby Players Association five weeks off. So what? You've got like three weeks left. And mm. I said, no, no, I want to be there for day one of preseason. I want to meet the boys. I want to graph with the boys. Yeah. Um, I thought that was the right thing to do, and I still think it was. But he said, no, absolutely. Well, he said it was. This was Wednesday. And he said, oh, brilliant. Training starts on Monday. Bollocks. <laughs> yeah. was, oh, God. You're, still you're still nursing a three-day hangover from the last. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was, like 18 days on the piss so i was like oh god yeah yeah that sounds fine that sounds fine so got back on so on the thursday i'd signed yeah drove back on the thursday mm -hmm. and then left came back up on the sunday with all my belongings and moved in and then i was training on monday you're a pirate i'm a pirate yeah so it's pretty pretty like a whirlwind kind of week sounds so, straightforward like, when you put it like that speak yeah, to somebody well, on monday signed by friday yeah, it does. So trust me. Usually, negotiations are not done by the player, and, and it's not, and it's not kind of strong like that short and easy. Yeah. But uh, they were brilliant. Uh, Gavin was brilliant. Matt, uh, brilliant. I can't thank Matt enough for thinking of me and um, you know, you know, fighting my corner. And um, I'm really looking forward to working with Matt and the, all the coaching staff moving forward for the season. Matt's a brilliant coach. I've worked with him. You know so far through the preseason very thoughtful coach and um you know uh wants uh, generally wants each and every player to get better so you can only as a player work off that and try and you know generally show that you want to get better yourself and you know this is for me this is um it's almost like a uh a second shot mm -hmm. um which many people don't understand because obviously you go to Cornish Park people come great gig and it is an yeah. unbelievable place to be and it's a great club with great ambition that they want to go up yeah. they want to be you know a top three side in the champions that's minimum top three so you know and and, and um but for me it was like before this i had nothing i didn't yeah. have anything that's just the stark reality of where i was so what people probably don't understand about my situation don't see on the glitz and glamour of social media and instagram is mm -hmm. i wasn't that I didn't have anything and having this, you know, no one will quite understand how grateful I am to the Cornish Pirates, to Matt, to Gavin, to Alan Paver and, and, and the coaching staff there to giving me the, this opportunity. And uh, I'm very much uh, committed and dedicated to uh, paying back that uh, trust they've put in me. And I'm really looking forward to the season ahead. Oh, mate, no, it's, it speaks more. Just, I, I, I know this because I speak to you quite regularly, but like people listening to that there will understand the testament of the person you are because like you said you could have easily turned around and just gone oh well that's gone maybe rugby's not meant to be but you were straight away you were like well, i'm not i'm not just gonna let myself give up on something like that and you were they even come down to the going like if somebody tells most people oh you can have three weeks off in a brand new job where you know you're getting paid like a lot of people go decent three weeks free paid like week off and you were like um, no i want to be there on day dot and i'll be the first one through the door yeah, yeah. No, no, I appreciate it. No, I, I, 
I've really enjoyed it so far. You know, great bunch of boys, and you know, being being in a place like Cornwall, you know, you're quite secluded from everywhere else. So the boys are mm-hmm. very tight knit. Yeah, um, and uh, I felt that already. And boys look after you, and uh, yeah, so I've really enjoyed it. And you know, we've got some special players here, and some special boys that have, you know have played over a hundred games here, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, become club legends that's still playing so you know I really I really see this as an opportunity not only to progress my career but also to give back what the trust they've shown they've shown in me and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that and uh, you know it's, it's I have to kind of stop myself sometimes and realise how grateful I am to be in a position I am because really the start reality was not don't get me wrong, going to law school full time is a brilliant thing and I would have loved to have done that and it'd been great to do. But really I would have been doing that plus possibly pulling pints. And and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Um but that's not what I was quite ready to do with my life yet. And, I, was uh, say, I think I think it was a big change that would have affected you the most. Yeah, I, I think that's the case and I think that's where um I was I, you know I wasn't quite ready to accept that that was in my life and although I had to kind of go well you know I've got to accept it and move on but maybe when I got myself to that position you're still allowed to be you're still allowed to be for, for want of a better word fucked off like you're still allowed to be pissed off yeah so no I, I, exactly exactly <laughs> and I think it would have probably taken me to be somewhere at 11 o'clock at night serving someone their dinner do you know what I mean yeah uh, probably to think fucking hell like this sucks do you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I know some people enjoy that some people love that that's their job but you know everyone has a calling in life and I feel like mine is what I'm doing currently so um yeah I think I'm very grateful to be here and and, and the position I'm in now in terms of where I am in the country you know especially in the summer there's no more no more beautiful place to be I, I feel so I'm very lucky and I'm you know I'm grafting hard with the lads and it's not long till pre-season games start and the season cracks on and I'm ready to give it my all. No, mate, absolutely. Well, I'm buzzing for you and you've, I've now got, I don't have a championship team, so I'm happy to support the Cornish Pirates. Plus, with you and Jesse there, I feel kind of obligated to because you're too... Oh, you're right, you sure I'm going to come to a game. Wait, do you know how, mate, it was hard enough getting to Manchester the other week for the football game. I, like. I was actually going to say, like, I was thinking, I was like, bloody hell, that's actually a hell of a, that's a hell of a journey, yeah. Mate, I spent six hours on public transport to play 90 minutes of amateur football. And then I spent yeah, six yeah. hours on the way back. Yeah. Well, get yourself on a plane, you've got a place to stay in, and then there'll be a night out afterwards. Mate, don't ask, ask Tom Lindsay. If you promise me a night out, I deliver. There we go. Now, that's the most wrong thing we're going to say in this. In yeah. this. No, oh no, mate, because I can't, I can't handle my drink at all. I can handle the hangovers and go again, but I can't handle the drink, man. Oh, leave it, leave it can I, so it'll be sweet as we cheat date. <laughs> Home at 10, that'll be class. Yeah, yeah, out, out at 6, I'm going to say, I'll split the Uber with you. We, don't, we won't have to message Dan Norton. There's no, oh, Ubers, can... round here. There's no Ubers around here, mate. You've got you to put your taxi in advance around here. Really? Yeah, oh yeah, I've learned that the hard way. Trust me, I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> Stood walking down the high street at like half twelve, like taxi. Yeah, like put my finger out and please help. <laughs> Anybody going towards the sea? I know I'm near the sea. Yeah, <laughs> one of the lads actually said to me, he's like, if you ever get lost, just walk towards the seafront and you know where you are." And I was like, "That actually does make sense. I actually do know that does yeah. make a lot of sense." Like, where, walk to the seafront, but just don't go in, and you're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's like, where in the country can you say that? Like in London, when you're lost, you're lost. But obviously, when yeah. I'm in London, I'm never lost because you have got Uber or I know the underground. But here, I'm. Yeah. If I if I actually was lost, I would actually walk towards the sea. <laughs> That's actually what I do. I'm away from there. 
Right. Well, mate, you've actually survived it. You've only got one section left of our podcast, and it is the teammate section. So, obviously, last time when you were on, I was finding my feet and the quick fire and teammates merged together. But now they're two separate things. So, you've had the quick fire questions where we find out about you. Now you yeah. get to sell out every player you've ever played with in time, and we find out who's the best and who's the worst at certain things. Yeah, happy days. So I'm all under the bus. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I'm, de- I'm debating changing the name from team mix to under the team bus because there's a soccer AM copyright infringement that maybe could be good. So if it ever gets famous, it's always been called under the team bus, but until now, it's teammates. Happy days. There we go. Right. Teammates slash under the team bus with Callum Circa, and I can't wait. So same as Quickfire, first step, first name that comes in your head, rattle it out and go. And this could be from anybody you've ever played with it ever. So England under 16s. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hardest tackler. Uh, Nick Isekwe. Fair. Fastest feet. Uh, uh, Ollie Lindsay Haig. Ollie Lindsay Haig. Oof. Great show. He was phenomenal the other week as well. Yeah. It's funny because some of these you said last time and you said different answers. So if I remember, yeah. them, I might. Now, I've had a more clear. I'm clearer now. I mean, co- 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 <laughs> it's co- that sea air. Yeah, the sea air. Yeah, better answers. Better answers. <laughs> Who's a human turnstile? Who can't tackle for love, no money? Jacob Marga. That's not changed, I don't think. Jacob Marga. No, I'll, that was I'll, the same I'll one. That. I'll caveat that with saying, for a man, you know, a man that doesn't like fancy a tackle, yeah, he's doing pretty damn well for himself. So maybe he's <laughs> one of the You know what I mean? Well, when Jacob, when we get Jacob to come on, I'll, I'll beg you to get Jacob on for me, and I'll be like, Cal said you can't tackle for love, no money. <laughs> oh yeah, but he can't <laughs> tackle for love, no money, but he's making a lot of money and he's paying. For <laughs> <it>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just to tackle for him, that's what he does. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's most up for a night out. Plus, he's got the nicest stash that we've seen going, so he's fine. Can't tackle in your new com- composure club clothes. Uh, yeah, well, who, who's the most for the night out? I'd probably say uh, Alfie Barbary, 100%. Really? Loves it. Yeah, loves so, it. I don't, know, I don't know if that's allowed to be said, because he's probably supposed to be on his best behaviour in pre-season, but he, is, he loves a night out. Loves it. Fair, fair play to him. Sesh Gremlin, love it. <laughs> who can't it. handle who can't handle the night out when Alfie's organised one? Me, really? Yeah, you can't have oh. you. That's a cop out. That's a cop out. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not very good with my drink. Probably the worst. Uh, uh, Tim Cardle, Tim Cardle, second row at Walsh, obviously, and yeah. uh, he, I, he's peace and chop. He, he can have times where he's unbelievable and he's like full. Full send, and he's. Yeah. I mean, sometimes he was a smoke bomb. He'll, be, he'll leave at one, and you'll be like, "What?" Or like, "We'll leave at like, Yeah, and it's you. I know exactly where he goes. He goes straight to the Domino's down the road in Leamington. That's where he goes. Mate, he's, if he's if he's on Domino's, he's got too much money. That's like half a mortgage for one of those pieces. Yeah, exactly. Well, he gets <laughs> two of them and eats them both at the same time. Uh, so, you definitely should, you might not have said Jacob Imagas, but you definitely should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> Pre season strength and conditioning and nutrition coach is just like scoring names off on the sheet. Oh, he's, oh that's his off season. He's in, he's actually silly in it now. Although he was, he came in in the best nick he's ever I think he said to me, he's like, I'm the best nick I've ever felt. Yeah. Goes yeah. in, you go, you're in fat club this pre season. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> who's got the worst fashion sense you've ever played with? Like who's just had some awful like awful stash? Uh worst fashion sense. Uh, Tom Willis has got the worst fashion sense because he wears like we used to get into him because he used to wear like Adidas trainers with jeans and a top. And we used to take the mick out of him and be like, "Why are you doing that?" Just like we're like, you know what I mean? Like ultra boost with his with his jeans, and he'd be like, "All weathers, lads, all weathers." 
Like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that because I literally went to like a neighbor, like a like a like a drinks venue in Ultra Boost and jeans the other day. So I'm saying that. No, we need to get you out. We need to get you out shopping. We need to do like a. We need to do what's that film called? Uh, Crazy Stupid Love, where like Ryan Gosling takes a. Uh, what a film! What a brilliant! Film. You didn't mention that in your favorite films, though. <laughs> great film, isn't it? Yeah, great knowledge from me to know that yeah. to Steve Carell. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll do that. Mate, I'll, any any excuse to come down from Cornwall for a piss up with the boys, I'll be there. We'll tell the yeah. blokes lads and just say Callum Circus having a housewarming in his one bedroom flat, and we'll all go. Right, so, hey, this isn't a one bedroom flat now, so I've got room for everyone. Let's go. Oh, got, oh we're there. Exactly. The, the, the blokes AGM is now taking place in Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> right, who's the best player skill wise you've ever played with? Just natural skill. Uh, oh, that's so hard. Um, if you have a few, you can name a few. I'll probably say, oh no, I'm going to go be strict on it. I'm going to say yeah. Joe Webber. What a show. What a brilliant show that is. Yeah, Joe Webber. So I played with Joe Webber for the Penguins of the Hong Kong Thames, yeah. and he was freakishly good. Fair play. I, I, I never picked that I'll tell you another one. Actually, I'll give you another one now because he because he deserves a mention. Billy Larue. He, I can understand that. He is unbelievable. Yeah. So obviously, I was at Worcester with him, and I train I trained a fair bit against him, and he can't get a hand on him. And it's not like no. he's he's not like he's beating you footwork wise. It's like he's you're rushing up on him, and you literally he's literally touching the ball with his yeah. fingertips. And for some reason, he's he's been able to pass it perfectly. <laughs> Man, next, and you're like. I've literally thrown at you as hard as I can. You weren't even looking at me. And he's tapped it along or out the back or something. And you're like, Gabby. I'll, 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 I'll tell you a quick story. This. So we had, um, in my school, my school, for some reason, we had a weird abundance of athletes of like weird and wonderful sports. Yeah. And he had this, um, he's like an all-terrain runner. You know, like um, like ultra runners, you know, the ones that like, run up mountains and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And he, he played for us on the wing and he, he never wanted to be a rugby player. He was like, as you can imagine, a runner's build, quite small, very light. Mm. But he had such control over his pace and stride yeah. that I remember once we were playing, it was sevens, we were warming up for like school sevens season, not quite yeah. to the same level as yours. And he <laughs> yeah. literally he literally ran the length of the pitch past me and made sure he stayed just out of arm's reach the whole time. So I can imagine yeah. how you feel like, you just feel like you're just out of reach. And he, oh, I'm pretty sure he did it on purpose because yeah, because when I slowed down to that, well, I'm not going to catch him. He slowed down as well. So he made you keep chasing. It's just enough. Yeah, if you ever if you ever get a chance to look him up, his name's Jacob Adkin on Instagram. You'll probably find him. He's he's unbelievable. The stuff he does, like when you see the times he posts. Yeah, okay. he's like, he's like a real. He's like you. You basically look at some. He basically looks at somebody that ran a marathon and went, "Yeah, I can do that over Ben Nevis in half the time." Yeah, that's mental. Yeah, that, I've yeah. been just through that. Yeah. <laughs> right back to where we were. Um, just had that. Uh, following on from who's the best natural, the most skilled player you've ever seen. Who's the biggest athlete you've ever seen? Like who was just a freak of nature in terms of athlete? Ask. Uh, athlete. Um, uh, God, that's tough. I would say. You know, I'm. I, I hate to say it, but I'm gonna have to say Dan Norton. <laughs> and, um, you said that with such pain in your voice. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, he got. He, uh, yeah. I for, think, the record, for the record, Danny does like you. Like, yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah, I think. I think Dan Norton's gonna have to be in terms of athleticism. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. I mean, what he can do, his coordination to beat someone, his speed, the fact that he's kept that kind of ability throughout his years. Um, yeah. yeah, mate, he's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, who's the biggest joker? Who's the biggest prankster that you've ever had to share a changing room with? Uh, so uh, I've got a lad at Paris at the moment who actually I've known he was at 20, uh, the 20s in Georgia called Josh Caulfield and he loves mm-hmm. kind of throwing in a little bit of like a uh, we're doing a Bronco today uh, we're doing a, uh, <laughs> throwing a little bit of like in the train uh, we're doing full contact today for 50 minutes or something like that and you're like what? And 50 minutes gets, bags and full boot yeah everyone gets scared and everyone's like oh no we are everyone starts strapping their shoulders and then that's like, it's actually just a touch session you're like <laughs> he's like laughing at everyone or I love the thought of like your team accountant just like raging so you've just gone through like 40 quid's worth of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like telling everyone like genuine, it's been said, like, this is what we're doing. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> oh, poor boy. Right, who's the best dancer? Uh, best dancer, Gabriel Gray. Really? Yeah, could cut some shapes, mate. Yeah, really Fair. good. Yeah. Vice versa, who's the worst dancer? Who's the one that shouldn't be dancing? Uh... Probably, probably Tom Willis in his ultra boost. Probably, <laughs> uh, he's, he's got he's got room to breathe. The yeah, mate, you think with the ultra boost, he, he would be moving really ag- like with, with some really good agility and change of direction. But really, it's he he's, he stays within his two steps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably <laughs> not. Probably not Tom Willis. I love Tom Willis to bits. He's one of my best mates, but I've not really seen the man dance really. So cannot dance. <laughs> yeah. Mate, you're doing him a favour by not maybe not making him dance then. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's got the best sidestep you've ever seen? Uh, well, probably Ollie Lindsay Haig. Probably uh, Freakish Feet. Yeah, um, just, yeah, probably him. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, that's probably him. I've not, you know, I, I mean, I've, I, I've not played him, but probably Cecilin Colby is the best step I've ever seen mm-hmm. um, on a rugby pitch. I mean, he's a freak, but in terms of people I've played with or, you know, or against, probably Ch- probably only Lindsay Haig, yeah. yeah. Who's got best tunes? Who's the one that's always just been, like, banging tunes? Bialo, because Bialo, he's a prophet wasp and he's got his own music. He raps. Um, she probably I've not heard this. Yeah, he's got, his, he's got a new song out. So everyone, be allo on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah, give him a give him a give him a follow. Listen to his music. Really good, mate. Really, and he's really good. Like super. Like not one of those like oh, I'm doing the music on the side. Like he actually takes it serious. He's got a music video out. Yeah. Gable raising it, dancing. Is he genuine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly, really, and it's good yeah. tunes as well. I, honestly, all all his tunes are my favourites on my on my Spotify. So. <laughs> Mate, I'm going to find that when we go off. I've got my phone here ready to go. <laughs> right. Who's got the worst tunes? Um, who 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 do you regret when you see them go to pick up the ox cord? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm probably going to say... I'm probably... The thing is, I would say actually, so Tim Carlo is one of my best mates. His tunes are probably not to everyone's liking, yeah? And I think mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, everyone goes, what are these? Yeah. Because I'm talking like, we've got like old school Christina Aguilera and, and <laughs> like 
We've got like Destiny's Child and Fido. I think I'm loving these. I think Mate, this this sounds like a winner so far, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like everyone. Obviously, <laughs> when you're in a gym and everyone's like lifting really heavy, yeah, and you've got like Dirty by Christina Aguilera. It's like what? Do you know what I mean like? <laughs> Mate, but, um, mate un- unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield adds an extra 10, 10, 10 kilos on your PV. Exactly, mate. What a, what a <laughs> chill, yeah. But, yeah, some people, I'll probably say him because most, but, like, I love it. But then I, lo- I, I can understand why other boys wouldn't. So, yeah. That will be a worst brackets best tunes. There we go. Yeah, and he's got, a few, he's got a few, like, he's got a few 80s bangers in there as well, which I love as well. But not many people that favour. So, maybe it's, it's me and Tim against the world with our tunes, maybe. <laughs> Mate, I'll, se- I'll send you the playlist I made for the, the Blokes charity game because I was very much on that mindset of, well, of it's meant to be a pre-game thing, but it's definitely designed for the night out more than it is the pre-game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Right, who's the future coach that you've ever played with? Who's the one that you saw and just went, you're definitely going to be a rugby coach for the rest of your life? Jimmy Gopeth. Oh, mate, that man breathes rugby. Yeah, mate, he's a unbelievable player, unbelievable durable. I've got a lot of respect for him. Um uh, obviously, because he had a knee injury himself, and he came at a much older age than me. You know, mm-hmm. which, you know all due respect, all respect to him. But you know, with at that age, it's harder to come back from and be in the same nick and the same shape and the same and have the same ability that you did before. And he did, and he did, and he came back um, not just as good, but better than he was before, a better nick than he was before. And he understands the game really well. Uh, he does a bit of coaching now because a coaching yeah. uh, clinic. So, yeah, mate, one hundred percent. And he and he even coaches the lads. You know, like he, he has always has something to say or a smart thing to say. Yeah. Or, mate, yeah, like you the say, on, the on field general, whatever they used to call them. Exactly, he lives and breathes it. And he's, you know, what is he now? Like thirty something, maybe forty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so but yeah, I don't think he's going to get out of the game anytime soon. So yeah, I think no. Jimmy got for me. No. Who's hard as nails? Who's the person that you just think I would never fight you? Uh, either Jack Willis or Tom Willis. I'm Tom not going to lie. You. you have to answer who would win that would fight between. I'll give this one to Jack. <laughs> I love the thought of them seeing this and then just looking at each other. Like, you see what Cal said in that podcast. Well, I think what Tom, Tom will not like the fact that I've picked Jack. But yeah. um, I think if they both had a fight, there'd be a, an earthquake. Oh, so, yeah. It looks like like the Avengers. They're both hard as nails, but I think Jack, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's such a lovely bloke. Such a lovely bloke. Like, both of them, such a lovely bloke. And then you just, they play and they're just vicious. And Jack is just, he's hard as nails, mate. He is uh, hard. I can, I, obviously, I don't know him as well as you, but from what I've seen, I can tell that he's hard as nails. He's just, he's just, yeah, some of the things you do, you just think, oh, stop, please, you're going to hurt yourself. And unfortunately, he has done, but he's just, by the way, he's an unbelievable shape at the moment. He looks great and he will turn better than he was before, I'm sure. So, I was going to say, is he, how's he getting on? Because I saw the thing Wasp was supposed to do, he was looking quite well. No, he's, yeah, from what I've seen him and, and, and even in the early bits of his rehab when I was, when I was around. Yeah. And I'm obviously a bit of a connoisseur of, of, of of, of the knee injury, yeah, so um, I obviously kept an eye on it, and you know, you definitely could see a healthy knee or an unhealthy knee. And his knee was the healthiest you can see, it was brilliant, mm-hmm. it looked great. And that's, that's a testament to his professionalism, you know. Oh, and, yeah, it's not even that long ago he did it, is it? What, exactly, what, I know, four months ago or something, yeah, exactly. And those first few weeks are vital to making sure you either, either have a healthy knee or you don't have a healthy knee. And, his looks brilliant and he looks in great shape. He's worked he's worked his ass off in the off season as well. So 
May is going to come back in freakish nick and he'll be a freak and he'll all the accolades will go to him again. So yeah, good on him. I know he's very unlucky not to be playing in red this summer. Is the honest truth. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right, mate. I think you're probably yeah. right. Right, final couple. Uh, who hogs the mirror most post game? Who's the one that's getting themselves all dolled up, ready for a big interview on Sky Sports? Or BT? Sorry, BT have the rugby. Uh, uh, mm, I'm scared about saying this. But probably Malachi Fekitoa. Because uh, <laughs> for some reason his hair looks sh- on like so sharp every yeah. time I see him. Like it's sharp as. Um, that's like him. That's one of the yeah. It's one of the boys. Um, one of the LA boys because I was watching them the other day. Is it? Uh, it's DTH Van der Merver. It just there yeah. never seems to be a hair out of place. Yeah, yeah. Same with Malachi. And you think with the the hits he puts in, you think his hair would be all over the gaff. But for some reason, and especially after the game, it's like it's like he's put it on like a Ken doll. Do you know what I mean? So um, <laughs> like a Lego haircut just popped it. Yeah, on. yeah. It's just so sharp, which is a massive compliment. <laughs> so yeah, probably him. And he's a good looking geezer as well. So that's I know. Awesome. Annoyingly handsome bastard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Last one. Uh, who would order a plain a plain sauce at Nando's? <laughs> uh, See, the questions have got a lot better since you did it the first time. Yeah, this is quite hypocritical because I am I'm a this is I'm putting this out there and people are gonna hate this. I'm a lemon and herb man at Nando's, so I feel fair. I feel like I can't answer this and. You know, and no, no, there's, there's a difference between lemon and herb and plain, like a big difference. Yeah, I don't even know to eat, eat plain. Probably, uh, plain. Um, just just out somebody. <laughs> probably, um. Josh Caulfield because he said to me that they don't have Nando's around Cornwall and the only time he gets Nando's is in Bristol when we go on, when we go on away trips. <laughs> so maybe maybe kind of lemon and herb and like hot or medium is probably too much for him. Josh that Caulfield. Was that was a good answer, I reckon. That was quite diplomatic. That was I, quite I, diplomatic. I know, it was very diplomatic. The problem is you've got to go pre-season training with him on Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he'd be bothered by the fact that I said he likes playing Nando's. Probably the fact that I said, what did I say before about him? That he uh, messes with everybody and he's yeah, the biggest practical Yeah, favorite. he messes with everybody because he'd probably come back to me like, I don't mess with everyone. That's the genuine truth. He's like Jake <laughs> from in between us. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. I was playing poker with Rio Ferdinand and my dad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> right, mate, you have finished. That is officially the teammate slash under the team bus section with Callum Circa. Last question before we go, and it's the one that everybody loves. It's the one that always makes it to the Instagram. You've got three cheesy pop songs to get the team ready for a night out. So, Let's set the scene for you. After your Cornish Pirates debut, three tries, man of the match. It's an away day, so you've got a bevy bus all the way back to the sea. You're on the bus. Somebody goes around and goes, right, mate, initiations. You've got three songs. What are you playing? Right, so these are my three. So I've got How About Us by Champagne. What a brilliant song. <laughs> yeah. I've got Young Hearts Run Free by Candy Station. Brilliant. Yeah, and I've got September... Earth, Wind and Fire, which is obviously, it's going to go on after a win. Yeah. It's going to go on. Exactly. And then that's a, that's a proper sing-along as well. And that's what you want. You want the whole bus singing along. Oh, yeah. So those are my three. Pretty, I think they're pretty strong three. Correct me if not, but I'm liking them. It's strong. It's up there. It's not quite not quite Matt Hardy's Carly Rae Jepsen and things like that. But he's doing... Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're getting there. You're, you're definitely in the top five. I mean, the listeners do the voting, so... 
I need to make I need to make some sort of graphic where I get a poll for who's doing what. I think when we've got ten, we'll make a leaderboard. But yeah, yeah, happy days. You may have to put yeah, start putting polls out and see what see what people think about the the songs. Exactly right. Well, mate, you've survived the podcast, and I think we've shaved forty minutes off the time we did it the first time. A bit more fluent. Right, let's get the outros done. Let's get all the T's and C's done. Everybody knows. So remember, guys, like I said, the start of the show. Thank you to Wild Haggis Protein for being my first ever partner on the Over in 80 Minutes podcast. Like I said, get your pre-workout, get your BCAs, fat burners. They have a whole clothing range as well, including an exclusive women's range for the gym. Perfect. They've got some fancy, snazzy designs out there. Kind of a bit annoyed they're only made for women, to be honest, because I'd rock a pair of donut leggings because they look quite cool. Uh, yeah, over in 80 minutes to check out. That'll get you 10% off there as well. Definitely make sure you go check them out. They're great. I used them a long time before I made the podcast, so it's not just me saying stuff for the sake of saying it. Like, there's not even any notes to read off, so you know I'm talking the truth. Uh, Cal Circa, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so I'm on uh, Instagram at CircaCT uh, and Twitter, uh, Cal underscore Circa. Uh, and obviously, my book page, Fours and Pages, I'll be... Uh, getting going again after a bit of a lengthy layoff through getting ready for law school. So yeah, I'm all on them. Mate, amazing. They're definitely going to follow you. I've had so much fun doing this again. It was just as fun the second time as it was the first. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, mate, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Right, usual, check out everything. All the links are in below. Everything, Forest Paperbacks, Wild Haggis Protein are going to be in there. My stuff's going to be in there if you want to follow the podcast on YouTube or Instagram. Keep you up to date with everything that's going on. Um. What else can we talk about? Blokes. Blokes is going to be in there as well. Make sure you follow Blokes. Good young men's mental health group. Always there to talk. The boys are always pretty responsive on their Instagrams. Everything's there. Tom Holmes, top bloke, favourite man of mine. Love him to death. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you watched it on YouTube, if you're going to be mean in the comments, at least make it funny. Then we're going to try to get retweets that way because I'm going to be really honest. If you're just being negative, I don't give a shit what you have to say. <laughs> so, right. Amazing. See you all later. See you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.